On this episode of the podcast, I have with me Mir Ali. He is the head of digital engineering at the Kraft Heinz Company. We're going to be talking about enterprise-wide adoption of Gen AI, generative AI. Um, we're going to try to highlight specifically areas around platform evaluation, ROI. Uh, if we can get into some of the legal, regulatory, and, 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 and maturity planning stuff, we will. If not, we'll have to ask Mir to come back for a second uh, part. But hey, Mir, thanks for coming on. Thanks for being a part of the show. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. And this is a hot topic and uh, love to share what I've been doing and learning uh, over the past six to eight months. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. I, I think when we talked, you know, you, you mentioned, you know, you, I, I obviously uh, will share, uh, you know, your LinkedIn post that you had about uh, the topic. And I said, I, I love it because we're hearing a lot about Gen AI. And a lot on the consumer side, we're, we're, we're out. I think everyone I've talked to has at least experimented with ChatGPT to see how they can improve their messy emails, um, and and it's and it's working. Uh, lo and behold, it, it writes a decent email. Um, but that's not really what we're looking at. And I think sometimes we look at enterprises and we're wondering how does an enterprise start adopting Gen AI? And some of the big pieces are okay. Well, you have to pick the right platform. You have to pick. The strategy around it, you have to pick the vendor, how, how, how are you going to do that? And then uh, the big ticket is, well, it's going to cost money. Uh, how do you justify that? So I guess let's stop at, start at the top. Let's let's talk about the enterprise application of Gen AI, and at least what you're seeing, right? So what that application is, because obviously that, you know, different applications will mean different platform evaluation. So I thought that's probably good context for everyone to understand your, your point of view. Yeah. So. Look, I mean, generative AI has taken up the industry, just not CPG where I am, but ev everyone else with the storm. I mean, you know, so everyone is like, oh my God, this is the next best thing and we all need to be part of it. So in my view and in my, you know, what we are doing crafts, right? So, so we're excited about it, but we're ex excited, but we want to have some uh, guardrails around it. Right. So this is great. This is going to help. There's a lot of use cases that we're seeing. If we look at uh, from a CPG specific, what we can do in sales, what we can do in supply chain manufacturing, there's quite a few use cases that we have highlighted. But, but the forefront of this one is how do we actually look at this platform? Right. And is this something that is enterprise wide? And how do we do this? This is not something we're going to do once. We're going to do it for one area, but then it needs to quickly scale and be able to do it in another area. So from the overall platform perspective, right? So coming from an engineering background, to me, number one thing is always back of my mind is, uh, is this a scalable solution? You know, things that we need to do around it. And is this something that uh, I can guarantee reliability around it? And is this secure? I mean, security actually is, is a big thing on generative AI. So as we look at the platform, as we look to do this one, and we're looking at, you know, am I dealing with a vendor and a provider that is just new, right, you know, around the block just showed up. So looking at, you know, from a scalable, secure, security, reliability, and support are some of the things that run right by my mind. And then we look at it. And then and the last one is, uh, as we look to do this one, is like, how easy is it to customize this? Right. So customization is going to be key. So these are things that we put in as a criteria. 
and we're looking at it uh, from that perspective. So there's various platform we're evaluating on the restrict, but we're closer to Microsoft uh, in, in this case, and we are looking to leverage uh, OpenAI, uh, the Azure OpenAI, you know, as our core LLM, you know, within the organization. So these are things at a very high level. Now, as we look at the criteria, but now pricing is going to be an important aspect of it, right? So this is where rubber meets the road, right? So depending on what model you want to use, what's the use case you want to solve, so that all depends on it. So we really need to pay close attention to the pricing model and be very cognitive. I guess let me ask you a question there. So, so obviously you're in CPG. Everyone knows Kraftline. So it's got a lot of different moving parts. You could immediately start thinking where this is applied to probably dozens and dozens of places, right? Um, how do you go about identifying where to start, right? Obviously, sales seems exciting. Marketing seems exciting. Supply chain seems obvious. It's like you guys are you know, moving stuff everywhere, making stuff. How, how do you start looking at, all right, well, the platform could be you know, decided. That's one thing, right? And, and, and we'll talk about pricing and ROI. But when you're looking at area of opportunity, are you just looking at low-hanging fruit? Are you looking strategic? Are you looking at somebody who's more open to the solution? What are some of the factors there? I think the answer is all of the above that you just mentioned. So it all, you know, at the end of the day, right, it has to align strategic, right? So I mean, I think one of the things we want to talk about connect this back to is your data and analytic strategy or your AI strategy. So as part of AI strategies, so I think a company, you know, applied to AI strategies, you should have an AI strategy. And generative AI should be attached to an AI strategy, right? As you look at traditional AI versus generative, I mean, we should have a goal as to like how we want to move forward. As I know from a Gartner research recently, it's like 70% of our investment are still traditional AI. So generative AI is coming up. So want to keep that balance, right? So associate and link it back to an AI strategy. You know, as you have the strategy, the second page is, you know, looking at uh, from a stakeholder and business perspective, right? Where is the use case, right? Really looking at a little bit from a from a deeper perspective to say is like value add right right on the bat is like you know is this more on the efficiency side or is this something really is going to move a needle on the metric side you know you know affect the top line and the bottom line so looking at that from that lens and the last thing is like you want to look at to see is like the maturity of the organization where they are if they are still working with excel and trying to cobble things together i mean I'm not sure if it's the right place to start with. So, so I got to look at that maturity level of the organization too. Are there, you know, where they are? So, so to me, all three of you know that you mentioned uh, needs to be uh, part of your criteria. A little bit, a little bit tangential question because I, I, you know, I see this and I'm curious. And just your viewpoint, right? This obviously the industry is still figuring this stuff out. So this solution, your title is the head of digital engineering on LinkedIn. It shows that you're responsible for uh, product engineering, platform engineering, data engineering. So there's a lot of engineering there. I see a lot of places take their AI strategy and move it under data. Some places are moving it under software engineering because I think there's different implications, right? I think there's different skill sets coming in, different teams, how this is going to be matrixed. And I'm sure at some point, the data people are going to want to take ownership because they're like, hey, this is based on data. We'll build our own software teams within data. The engineering team is going to be like, we already have infrastructure capabilities. 
will build out. Obviously, it's your, you know, just kind of viewpoint. But how do you see that playing out where this sits? Is it is it a software engineering, you know, focus team doing this? Is it data? Is it matrix? I see you're smiling. So if I'm just somebody's listening to him, you're smiling. So obviously it's a bit of a loaded question, maybe. I mean, I, you know, I do lead the AI strategy for Craft Times North America. It doesn't mean that uh, somebody within the organization that's not directly responsible for data analytics can cannot lead it, right? Leading in the sense of somebody driving the vision in the future step and building the roadmap, right? So coming from a background where uh, in the past I've led uh, teams, you know, that are analytics, you know, specifically analytics, uh, base and so so I've experienced leading the AI teams you know, from the past and building roadmaps and platforms around it. So from from the experience perspective, so in this case, but the part of the team, so I am leading it, but my the main players within the team are our head of data science, our head of ML ops team, and then we have uh, people from you know my team from a platform perspective. So it's a combination of team that is coming together to help drive the strategy. Now, to answer the question on AI strategy, and that's what I was laughing because, you know, just, just to make sure it's like who is behind driving this. Now, in terms of where it sits in, it sits in the product, right? AI strategy, you know, you've got a strategy in place, you've got teams in place, right? So, so what we have is a notion of chapters, right? So you have data science and AI chapter, you have MLOps chapter. So the chapters are there. So what happens is, we have product teams. At the end of the day, this technology is going to enable our product. So where it sits in is, is actually in the product group. So the product is leveraging the tech to enable some capability within the product. So now all of these people from various teams, they're part of this product team, right? So they're fusion. It's a fusion team. So they are driving it. So, so the answer to your question is it's, it's a product. Product is leveraging an enabler, which is in general, and they're driving it. Now, each of these chapters and areas have a role to play. The data science and AI chapter for us have a role to play in terms of evaluating platform, making sure what we're leveraging, what models, you know, and, and making sure the they're driving the the the, the roadmap and the and, and the evolution of it, right? And then from MLOps perspective, making sure we're running this from a scalable a reliable perspective from an engineering is bringing all this together and making sure it ties in and, and connects to the product. So my team does product engineering. So product engineers, you know, leverage this as a service, build those APIs, wrappers around it, connect to uh, to the ecosystem and leverage it. So they're making the data science AI team within the product, making it happen. MLOps is making sure it's ready and our team is leveraging the services. And it's like, you know, it's like a Lego blocks. So that's how. So in the end, product needs to use it. Yeah, I like I like that. That's actually you know I I actually align to that a lot more than it being a a, a you know technical area that owns it because I think the product is really the beneficiary. I guess to kind of segue into the business side. So I know we're talking about adoption. We talked about platform valuation. We talked about where it sits. It, you know, we're talking about the product team. Who's the best area of opportunity? Obviously, it's a difficult question. But talk about maybe when you're looking, right? And, and somebody who, and, and I'm asking this question, if I'm someone that's sitting in a company going, I'd like to implement something uh, as from AI, I'm not sure how the stakeholder conversation goes, right? They might have experience with 
some consumer form of AI. They've seen it on TV. They've seen it on the internet. They've seen it on whatever it is. How does that conversation go? And just kind of your experience of, you know, things to kind of watch out for, because obviously I think I drew the analogy of when we had social media start, everybody thought we were going to have a consumerization of business apps and people tried to make it look like Facebook. They tried to make it look like Instagram. It did not work because business apps are business apps for a reason. And now it's a it's a realization that we can make business apps very functional. They just can't be what Facebook was eight, 10 years ago. When you're looking at the conversation with business stakeholders and people who lead the product team, how, how does that look from your perspective? So, look, I mean, it's it's a hot technology, AI. Everyone's talking about it. To some degree, business owners and the executives are aware of it. Things come to their table. All right? And different understandings comes with each one of them, right? Somebody gets an article, Mr. CEO, read this, AI is doing, we can help you. Somebody sends that email. Or somebody's pop-up come, AI and all of that. So at the end of the day, there's bombardment of these kind of things at different levels, right? When you go to conferences, when you go to, uh, you know, whether it's LinkedIn. However, what I believe is going to be an important aspect is that internal awareness of driving that, uh, you know, I mean, you can call it a data literacy, analytics literacy, or illiteracy program internally to ground the team, Right. It, 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 you know, in my view, it will be very difficult to say, hey, we're going to do gender beyond. They're like, what is that? Right? We can't just take five people and assume the rest of the organization knows. So so there needs to be an internal awareness of it and grounding of what is our point of view on it, you know, and exposing the team to it as like, what does that really mean? And what's the art of possible and where the industry is going? So educating, building that literacy. And then having a conversation to say, hey, what do you think now within your area? What are the opportunities? So doing workshops within the teams, right? You know, it's not twisting saying that, hey, let's just do this in your area. This is going to be cool. Rather than saying, hey, let's look at it. You now have a grounding on what this tech means. And let's go deep and say, based on this one, where do you see? Like, you know, doing the workshops to really understand. Some of it could be exciting, and some of for some of them is like, man, it's a it's a noise. I don't really have it. So then you from there on, you know, so you're striking things off, right? You know where and whatnot. So so that's how I look at it from a stakeholder engagement, getting them up to speed, train them a little bit, provide all of that, then go back and and sort of handhold and do those workshop, and then bring them to the table and says, okay. From there onwards, so now you have gone through the whole process. Now you have a bunch of pilots. Now you really look at it. Where does this pilots that we have align to our strategy to say it's like which area we're going to drive, right? Whether it's functional areas or core businesses, where does it need to go? So once we understand those, and then from there onwards, it becomes, I'm not going to say easier, but it becomes a good conversation to have. It's like, okay, I believe this is where we see a you know, initial pilots that we need to focus on. And from there on to say, it's like, what's the impact? It's going to be difficult, right? Initially, sometimes it's an investment that you do in the foundation. You're not going to see it. So understanding the metric and how you measure, that's going to be a key thing. 
You actually, you actually teed this up for me. I was actually thinking about this as you're answering that. I'm like, you, you picked the perfect segue. I mean, you're, you're a pro, so you, you teed this up for me. So you pick a pilot. How do you know if it'll be successful or not? So a lot of times the company's doing this for the first time. They haven't really have a track record to know success failure. What does success failure look for the pilot to know, okay, we want to put more money into this. We don't want to do this again. What, what does that look like? So... Um, right at the end of the day, you're not leaving that on luck, right? It's like, oh my God, let's just hope it works. Right? <laughs> so, so hope is, uh, you know, hope is not a not a thing uh, here to be measured, right? Yes. So what we look at when we do a pilot, right? So whether it's you're building this for a efficiency, whether you're building this for to drive some automation, or whether you're building for any other reason, so you're looking at to say. If I do this, what is it going to, what, what needle is going to move? What metric is going to drive, right? So you're looking from, at the end of the day, you're looking at that metric as to what's going to move, whether it's going to move the sales, you know, it's like, would I increase my, you know, net sales, you know, or whether I decrease some, some, some cost or whether I would increase my NPS from a customer loyalty perspective. So we're looking at those metrics. Because every, once your metric is there, then the measurement becomes easier. The second part of it is the question to ask is like adoption wise. You know, that comes back to the whole adoption thing. Mm-hmm. Put a pilot in the users of the pilot. How do we ensure these people are actually using the pilot? You know, that would be the main thing to do is like if I rolled it out for 50 people and I'm basing this, my results based on 50, do you really have that? So that's where. The user experience piece comes in. That's where the sort of the training comes in, comes into play, and that's where some of these uh, user adoption metrics comes in play. So having those in play, looking at it, because if you're targeted, if you're based your assumption on fifty people using it and calculating all of that, and all you know is like five people clicking on it and using it, you're gonna fail. So that's why immediately finding out, right? So usually you run the pilot for four, eight weeks, 12 weeks, whatever it is. But if you see one week into it, two weeks into it, you're not seeing the movement, right? You know, how many users are there? What time they're spending on? What is, is there some NPS beyond behind this? And do we see anything? So it has to be, be used, right? So, so let's say you do this automated email. You would know if somebody used automated email through the APIs that are built in. Do we have 10 API calls or do you have 100? So, you know, those are things uh, to me are going to be important to do, uh, especially from a measurement perspective, whether it's, is it really paying off or not? Hmm. You, you got me thinking, um, you know, I was thinking from the standpoint of an executive, we hear a lot about, you know, the media makes a lot about the savings that's going to go into, you know, uh, AI. And if you're an executive, you're in a large company, you're thinking savings is not a bad thing. The area of opportunity to grow revenue is also there. Like, I mean, it's going to give you capabilities to grow in segments. Is there a notion that, you know, and I guess we're talking about ROI, we're talking about how to evaluate success, all those things. Is it potentially per different business unit? Like I could see supply chain, there could be a cost saving, but also you know, potential revenue opportunity, and, and it might not be as easy to go, hey, this is going to save us money, it's going to make us money. It, it might be both type of thing. I mean, it seems like different areas might have their own 
you know, ROI or potential valuation criteria. So what was the promise of cloud when cloud came? Yeah. It's like, oh my God, you have to go to cloud. It will save you so much money. Cloud, guess what? It was not the case. If somebody said, I'm doing a cloud transformation because it saved money, that was a wrong <laughs> principle to be based on. But you're not going to save money because you need to be smart in cloud to save money. You need to really, I mean, that's why so many companies are thriving, you know, on on FinOps, which is the concept of how do we really optimize cloud for that. So same way, it's like, if you are leveraging technology, this, are, this is an expensive thing. It's like, if you don't manage this well, you, it's, you're going to skyrocket the credits the usage of, of the tokens and the cost that's going to run, it's going to skyrocket. So that's why it's like you have to really, you know, be very um, particular about it in terms of usage-wise, in terms of how you deploy and making cognizant choices and running, uh, you know, some kind of uh, calculators on it to say what would it cost for you to run and then eventually looking at it, right? So there's certain things, you know, like a model. If a model is used and prompted well, it actually gets better and better and better. But the thing is, you got to keep that in mind. It's like, well, there's an initial investment in it. And, and don't look at it one year, look at it over a period of three years. Because, you know, it's the same thing. It's like one year, it's like you see a cost, but then no return. But then over a period of two, three years, then you actually see potentially, I, I wouldn't say hockey stick, but you would see in that direction. So you have to be cognizant of it. You know, certain things require investment. So you got to be and be patient on, on some of these returns. So technologies like this, it will have an investment upfront, but the returns will be gradual. But at some point when the adoption is there and it's very well integrated, you will see a hockeystick return. This, this is based on, on the experience of prior sure. experience. So sure, sure. AI wasn't there, so I'm basing yeah. this based other experiences, you know, that that this is usually the pattern. So that's why when our executive and set on the business case, it's never one year. So we're a period of three to five years uh, that we're looking at, minimum three. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I was, I was just thinking, you know, how instrumental it is to have somebody who is, you know, heading the AI strategy to be able to get that long-term vision. Because if a company is looking at this going, this seems like a great thing we can try out. That's a that's just ripe for failure. That or just you know they're inaccurately you know trying a a project just to proof a concept without the the three year vision or the fact that the model is going to learn and you need to be patient with. It. So I think it's going to be interesting to see yeah you know, as more and more companies start flushing out this AI strategy um, and 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 I think that the head of AI. You know, from a product perspective, is, is going to be one of the hottest roles that people are going to try to try to fill. Yeah, I mean, the product role is going to grow. I mean, area of that that whole area of product. I mean, yeah, I mean, I'll even see a lot of new roles. I mean, six months ago, there was no something as prompt engineer. Yep. Well, yeah, well, <laughs> and so, uh, so you know, it's it's going to evolve, and in tech, I mean, this space is just evolving and growing i'm just amazed yeah, absolutely I'm, yeah i mean if you look at you know copilot you know how now it's by default it's embedded into your day-to-day -day. like if you're not using it, it's like i mean you're to lose right i mean regardless of what 
career you're in. I mean, people are leveraging. I mean, imagine once it becomes integrated into your day-to-day, it's amazing. Like, Fuse Teams, notes are built into it. Meeting and follow-ups are built into it. I mean, use Microsoft Word. I mean, you know, if you're if you have the copilot, it's just amazing. It's integrated in your day-to-day life, so it's not even a question. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited never to have to think. Uh, I'm old enough to know that somebody had to be at a meeting to take notes and send out a summary to everyone to make sure that everyone was aware of what was said. So um, that'll be something that I, I I'll be happy to buddy in the future will have to deal with. But absolutely. So one you know example something comes to my mind. So back when when I started development, so there was no concept of type ahead, right? So when you click on it, it's like, you know, it's like you would have to like, I would actually always have uh, API documentation open, right? I would quickly search is like, you know, what is that on, you know, hash or maps or or anything. I've been, oh, okay, now I need to pass this now. Use, I mean, this is amazing. Now somebody I tell, it's like, oh man, I used to look up every time, you know, to point I memorized. So now when you go to interviews, they ask you ask really a question. I said, tell me that method. What does it take in and all that? I was like, man, now if you ask that question, you're crazy. Doesn't even make sense because it's just there. Right? You don't even ask. So now you're still used to it. So that's how Copilot down the road is like, you're not using it. Like, what? So it just times, times, you know, it's evolving. Um, I was going to say, I know. Um, you know, we, there's a, there's a whole uh, couple of segments of uh, talking about legal and regulatory components and and playing for maturity uh can we have you back to do a part two maybe uh to cover those areas this is an exciting topic i will be there every time you ask me awesome man i i, I know you got to get back to you got a lot on your plate i appreciate you taking the time out to do this and uh and joining us thank you you bet thank you so much Take care. awesome that's it for the episode we we'll back again different guests different topic until then if you found the episode useful, share it with somebody else. That's how the podcast has grown. Like it, subscribe, leave a review. Tell us you know, what we can do better. I love the feedback. Until next time, thank you and goodbye.